It's time for the Brotherly Love Podcast. Keeping it real on the Philly sports scene since 2014. If anybody in their right mind is worried about Jalen Brunson translating the next level, then they didn't watch him play. I believe their team is actually, man. I really do not think that they're going to be denied. Whether it's the fight Bills, the Birds, the Fly Guys, the Process, or a national headline, these two beauties are talking sports with a passion only Philly fans can comprehend. Here's your host, Joe O'Donnell. Stop feeding John me to car bombs. Run the ball, control the clock, don't do anything stupid. And John Mita. Kids out there, make sure you practice your free throws. Dear God, give me an interview with the Eagles scouting department. I know I can be better. Yo, yo, yo. What's good? What's good? It is the one and only Brotherly Love Podcast. SoundCloud, iTunes. Thanks for checking us out. Follow us on Twitter at Belove Podcast, at Belove Podcast, where the tweets are infrequent. Nothing but hot takes for you. Joe Donald, John Meade here with you. Johnny Meats, what's up? Uh, another day in paradise, Joe. Good to be two and one, brother. Yeah, two, two and, and one. one. One and two is like the schwank of the schwank for NFL records. Like, I know <laughs> 0 and three, like, you're like, season's over. But one and two just sounds awful. All right, oh, let me let me read you some teams that are one and two. The Buffalo Bills. No one circles the West like the, the Buffalo Bills. The whatever city they play in in California Chargers. The Indianapolis yeah, Colts. The stinking <laughs> Cowgirls. The New York Football oh, Giants. The Arizona, well, no, they're 0-3. The 49ers. The Lions, all these fan bases, they just stink. The fan bases stink. The teams stink. The city stinks. The Falcons. How about the Atlanta Falcons? It's a tough yeah, start. Tough yeah. one and two start for them. And how about, hey, can we just, can we can we please for one minute, I, I got to find the round of applause sound effect here. I, I know it's here somewhere. Because I would like to congratulate the Pittsburgh Steelers on winning a game before October. I mean, that's outstanding. I'm so happy for them. You know, can that happen to a better organization? I mean, just uh, yeah. all that turmoil. It's just it, I feel I I just feel good for them. You know, what a bunch of losers, and they finally got it done last night. So, congrats, Pittsburgh. Barely hung on by the rip. Yeah, and and the slippery you gotta, you gotta, slippery you know, you gotta, D. You, gotta, you see that yeah, punt return yeah. got called back. Slippery D was not happy. You know, it's so crazy. It's it's all these fantasy owners. That- Ended up drafting Le'Veon Bell. Hmm. I mean, how much hate mail is that guy going to get? Yeah. If he sits out the first 10 weeks of the season, don't mind your number one pick. People put up big money, thousands of dollars, to enter some of these leagues. And I was all about buyer beware. Of course, I don't draft Steelers or Sick in Cowboys. That so guy. I don't draft there. anybody in the NFC East. How's that sound? There we go. It's even deeper. Um, let's jump into it here on the Brotherly Love Podcast. We're we're gonna pretty much four for four it. All your Philly sports topics, maybe a little national Ooh. talk. We'll have our dear God segment. I've got a stat of the day. You want it now, John Meter? You want your stat of the day now? Yeah. All right, here yeah. we go. Stat, stat of the stat day. Of this is from I, you go. know what? You know I love my my stats off Twitter. I'm gonna bring you a little Ruben Frank knowledge. My boy Rube. Ooh. All right. Love you can follow him on Twitter at Rube NBCS. He tweeted the other night, just hating on the Cowboys. Dak Prescott's last five games, 34 attempts, 181 yards. 
30 attempts, 179 yards. 29 attempts, 170 yards. 25 attempts, 160 yards. And 34 attempts, 168 yards. Only four quarterbacks ever have had a longer streak with at least 25 attempts and fewer than 200 yards. So Dak has put himself in rare company the last five games. Congratulations, Dak. You stink. It's my stat of the day. He's in a distinct company right there. God. Distinct company I mean, I is right. What were the Joneses thinking? They're like, all right, we're going to get rid of Des Bryant, but we and Jason Wynn retires, and they have nobody to throw the ball to. Like, where was Jerry at? You know. Well, anyway, they want they wanted the GOD. They wanted Dallas, allegedly. Yeah. He looked pretty yeah. good on Sunday. We'll get into the birds here in yeah. a minute. That's your stat of the day, presented by no one because we don't have any sponsors, but we're working on it allegedly. All right, Johnny Mita, uh, the big oh. news in Philadelphia. It is not oh, the yeah. Sixers' new GM. It is not the yeah. Philly season coming to a grease fire of a burning close. Oh no. It's not Sixers getting ready for camp. It's not the Flyers in camp. It's not the Birds at 2-1. It is Gritty taking the world by storm, the new Flyers mascot. I will leave the forum open. Godspeed and good luck. Gritty, go ahead. Gritty. Gritty. I mean, Gritty. I talk about national news. Did you see Scott Van Pelt last night? No, I missed it. I tuned tuned him off maybe right before he got there. Uh, I think it was right after Fan Beast, man. Scott Van Pelt has gritty, so he gives him the whole 30 for 30 about hockey mascots. And then gritty. What do you make of gritty? I kind of like the nickname. Other than the, the nickname's all right. I like his kind of body, a little bit about Philadelphia. But what the hell is gritty? A lot of times you look at mascots, you're like, yeah, it looks like a bear. It's a cougar. It's this. It's some type of animal. Gritty looks like a cross between Gossamer, Yosemite Sand, and Fonzie at a crack out. I mean, I don't know what, I don't know where they came up with it. The guy Googles his eyes. I mean, uh, they want to talk, what are they trying to make it more friendly for the kids? I mean, once the kids get a load of the real gritty and take a look at that monstrosity, what the hell were they thinking? The only good thing that's coming out of this is the fact that the Philadelphia Flyers are getting more PR right now. I mean, I mean, it is blowing up. I mean, it's all over social media. It, it's on, it's on news channels. I mean, I just want to know the design team. All right, you know, in the city, we have one of the best mascots in the entire country, the Philly Fanatic. Nobody really knows what the hell the Philly Fanatic is either. So maybe gritty will grow on people. Then you have Franklin the dog for the Sixers. You know, the Eagles, you got Swoop, you know? Hang on, I thought it was Hops. I thought his name, I thought it was a rabbit. His name was Hop. No, it used to be Hip Hop. Hip Hop, yeah. Yeah, he was a rabbit. Then they renamed like... They gassed him? They gassed him? Yeah, so now it's a dog and his name is Franklin. But listen, it's 2018. Why are we still creating mascots? I mean, I I saw a tweet that Twitter... If you don't have Twitter, you... Or if you don't like Twitter, you would have liked Twitter when Gritty was unveiled because it was priceless. And I'm sure the other social media sites were doing the same stuff. Uh, uh, I mean, it was was. just laugh after laugh. Uh, Did you see the one that was like uh, It? You know, the Stephen King movie? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where Gritty is underneath the the sewer grates. And he's like, I've got got Stanley Cups down here. And little kids wear flyer logos over their faces to block their identity or crawling into the sewers. I mean... That was good yeah, stuff. Was, 
But let me ask you this, John Mina, and I'll, I'll be uh, careful here because I'm in the industry, and who knows, I would yeah. like to get to Philadelphia at some point in my life. There we go. They had to know. They had to know that there would be some blowback just based on the look of the character, correct? I mean, you that that has to be an obvious statement. Somewhere in their marketing meetings, they have to have been like, hey, there's a chance that we're going to catch some flack or that people are going to be like, what the hell? I mean, they, they had to have discussed that, and, and I'd be stunned. I'd be stunned if there wasn't like some focus group of children that saw some renderings before they just busted this thing out in front of everybody. Now. <laughs> Scotty Harden retired. Maybe he's the new grid. Yeah, exactly. I've seen I've seen photos of Voracek and Hartnell, and you marry them and you get gritty. Uh, I mean, the eyeballs moving around are creepy. I'm sorry, it's creepy. Creepy. The only mascot to get rolled eyeballs. Congratulations. And I think you're gonna get the coin flip with kids. They're either gonna be like, "This is awesome. I don't care. I'm not scared," or "I'm terrified." I don't think there's any middle ground in there at all. I mean, I generally totally speaking, agree. that's how mascots work anyway. Kids are either running away or running up for a hug. Lizzie, I think the bigger question needs to be answered. Like, why did they go? They never had a mascot for well. Right. Apparently, they had a mascot. Scott Van Pelt unloaded that they had a mascot in the seventies called Slapshot, but it just never took off. So, well, Ed so Snyder, rest his rest his soul. Um, I read some tweets that he may have been turning over in his grave when Gritty was introduced, but uh, it certainly took the sports uh, social media world by storm. And uh, I know I'm sure in Philly people were lighting up the phone lines on the local stations about it. We'll see how it pans out. I just don't know why you wait, you know, 2018. Now you make this move. I did read a little bit about the, it was like a Penn State grad that designed it. And some of the photos, like some of his illustrations are awesome. But then you translate it into a suit with the googly eyes. Then then the poor guy yard sales out on the ice last night. Uh, he shot the T-shirt gun at employees at the promo crew. He's off to a flying start, no pun intended. <laughs> Gritty. Uh, totally good set. <laughs> All right. Uh, the Flyers will get started shortly. Um, opening weekend in the NHL is next weekend. We'll try and get to a, a, some Flyers predictions, a little National Hockey League talk uh, before they officially drop the puck next week. Uh, Fighting Phils. Put a fork in them. Officially eliminated. Boy, it happened in a hurry. Uh, I've been saying for weeks now I don't think they're going to finish above 500. I think now the the house, you know, the, the odds would be against them finishing above 500, which is like mind-boggling. Uh, yeah. considering where they were, thinking they were at least a 90-win team. Maybe they don't get in, but they're 90 wins. Now they're going to be lucky to get to 81 wins, and that is, that's Jeez. awful. And I don't know. Do you know what's the over-under of Vegas one? For some reason, 79 is really Yeah, I was thinking head, 78, but... to be honest, but yeah. whatever. It's We're splitting hairs at that point. To me, it's just disappointing. I don't know that, you know, how much – the city ever believed. I think you could tell by the turnstiles that fans just never got behind this team, and it was disappointing. You know, July Great and August, point. July and August, there were people like myself and yours truly clamoring for more fans to show up because it was a bit embarrassing. You had a first-place team and, and 25,000 people showing up. They proved the city right at the end of the day. They just weren't ready. And one of the interesting things, it was texting, you know, Finnegan, a uh, big fan of the program, Matthew Walter, was being like, hey, and I kind of thought about this too. He was texting like, "Look at how what, their record after the trades. 
Like we were like, oh, Wilson yeah. Ramos, Cabrera. Yeah. You know, they had Justin Bohr. Did those guys not fit into the clubhouse? Like what happened? Where Scotty Jetpacks couldn't hit his weight, but then when he's not a regular, they go down on the tank. Like do the are the two things, do they correlate at all? Is it just happenstance, if you will? Like how how do they make these moves where it's like, look, the Phils are trying to win it all, or at least get in, and then they just fall flat on their face. And I know the bullpen eventually got exposed. And Kapler, with the expanded benches, has just been over-managing his way around every four or five innings. But it's just so frustrating that they had a chance. The division's not that great. Washington's had a down year. Atlanta is not a very good baseball team. And the Phillies had an opportunity to make some noise, to build some new fan base, you know, kind of rejuvenate the fan base, and they didn't get it done. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to believe. I just thought it was like mid-August. Team was like what, like sixty three and forty eight? Fifteen like games, games, fifteen games above, above five hundred. Yep, incredible and just a total implosion. And what was strong for them early on was their starting pitching, and then I think they got tired. And then once the starting pitching started to leak, that really presented a lot of problems for the ball team. And then the other thing is too, like again, their offense was just so damn anemic. They just continue to strike out. And when you have that many strikeouts in the lineup, it, you're, you're not putting the ball in play. It's, it's hard to win baseball games. And I think you look at the big picture with this, this team moving forward, you got to look at who has the defined roles, right? Let's face it. They need a closer, right? They, they, we're all about, what is it, Sir Anthony Dominguez. And, and he, was just, he just wasn't fit for that role yet. Now, who's to say that he doesn't become like a lifestyle closer within two to three years? But it's hard to put that type of pressure on a rookie coming in to like, listen, this is your inning. You have to shut it down. And the final, and people, you got to also look at two, Joey. You got to look at people playing out of position. You know, God love Reese Hoskins down in left field. Um, but he's an actual first base. Cesar Hernandez, Kingery played a lot at short. I think next year the key is going to be like, all right, look at the core guys, look at the young guys you want to keep and define their roles. You know, it's hard, like, you know, going back, playing different types of positions. And not only do I think it has an ultimate effect in the field, but I think it also has an effect when these guys are at the plate as well. It kind of just takes them out of a rhythm. So I think the biggest thing in the offseason for these guys is let's define the roles, who's going to be here, who's not. Let's find a way to land one of these major free agents, let it be Manny Machado, let it be Bryce Harper. Let's pray to Jesus that it's both of them through the miracle of Christ. Let's go find, <laughs> you know, let's, let's go find a defined closer and maybe another starting picture. And I think if you, could, if you could find a way to get some of those done, they just weren't ready. I mean, it was nice. I mean, they carried us all the way through August. You know, pretty much up to training camp, you know. So they did their job. But it's also disappointing to see a team just implode. And why they imploded, it also brings up some red flags and some question marks. You know, Gabe Kapler, I mean, he's Mr. Positivity, and I get it. And I get it. But is that going to be a successful formula for a manager? So Matt Klintak, he's got a busy offseason. He's got a lot of work to do. These kids, last couple games they have here, let's get them some reps. And uh, all in all, listen, nobody expected this team to make the playoffs. It was nice. We all thought they would, the way they started out, the way they were winning games. But 
goes to show that this team is a couple years away from really competing in Major League Baseball. I've got one final thing on the Phils, and it's the fact that because they played so well pretty much out of the gate, they changed the process, right? All of a sudden, management was thrust into trying to win this year. Uh, The expectations changed. The pressure started to build. Now you're in a pennant race, so to speak. And again, I know they didn't give up a lot for the rental pieces or the older players they brought in, whether they're long-term solutions or part of the plan the next couple of years remains to be seen. But I feel like everything changed when it became the All-Star game, the trade deadline, and the Phillies were still in contention. Nobody, as you said, expected this to be the case. Probably even the most optimistic members of the front office and the coaching staff. So when all that changes, now all of a sudden, J.P. Crawford buried in the minors as he rehabs. Kingery relegated to the bench. So they didn't get the full season of some of these guys they thought would be the young up-and-comers. Will that hamper them long-term, or does the experience of a quote-unquote pennant race for four to five weeks, does that help these guys? Again, remains to be seen. But I just found it interesting as the year moved along, management, the Phillies brass collectively, was like, oh, snap. We, we have a chance to win the division. We have to do something now to give ourselves a better chance of achieving that goal. Whether it was the right move or not, we don't know. It blew up in their face eventually. Would it have happened if they didn't make those moves? Probably. But bottom line is, the process got sped up in May, June, July. We'll see how, as you put big offseason for Clintac and company, how do they view the approach over the next couple of years? I think that will be a very interesting thing to see how they attack this offseason. Um, all right, Johnny Mita here on the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on Twitter at Love Podcast. Um, let's jump to the birds, man. Two and one. They found a way to get it done. The Wentz wagon, the Ginger General, the Goat comes back, scrambling around, making plays. The first drive, the city was on a on an all time high. Um, you know, then the offense sputtering a bit. Defense doing its best to hold them in. Eventually, you beat the Colts, twenty to sixteen. Jake Elliott misses a field goal. For the most part, other than Roddy McLeod, they come out of the game pretty much uh, injury-free, major injury-free. And so at 2-1, and one, they sit tied atop the NFC East. Grind it out, get it done, finding ways to win. This football team is starting to do that from going back to last year into this year. It hasn't been pretty in their two wins. It wasn't pretty in their one loss, so to speak. But 2-1 and one going to Tennessee this weekend. What would you think of the win and the Titans coming up? Welcome back, Mr. Wentz. Welcome back. Welcome back. Um, it was just so good to see him. His movement, you know, we saw him in warm-ups a couple of weeks ago. You're like, is he going to pay you with the name? And it's like, this guy was not injured nine, nine months ago. You can tell when rushers got around him, he was just his poised self. He would find ridiculous ways to get out of the pressure. And it was just great to see. You know, there's some accuracy, some throws from a little high. We also take into effect, too, you know, their weapons aren't really up to par, so to speak, so far this season. That was great to see. Dylan Mills came back with a strong game, which was nice to see. You know, I'm tired of the finger wagging every single play. I mean, you don't want to take that away from a guy, but, you know, let's, you know, let's just put it again. You know, I'm a believer. I said it a week ago. I would love to see Cindy Jones get on the outside. I would Why, though? love to Every time I see Why? him, he looks late to the football, and he looks scared of contact. I haven't been impressed with Sidney no. Jones at all. Oh, God. 
you don't know what you're missing. He's a he's a budding star. Trump. I know I know I know about his upside. I understand yeah, you, why you, they yeah, draft him. You don't you don't know what he can do on the outside until they put him out there. You know the one thing that pisses me off with this defensive coordinator, Jim Schwartz has done a great job. Okay, but what I've seen it's an ongoing theme that's been you know. Listen, if the front four is not getting home, and the Eagles apparently weren't getting home against, I would say, a mediocre offensive line, can we start to blitz the quarterback and pressure the quarterback? You can't give your corners, you can't leave Mountain Islands to cover for five and seven seconds. Somebody's going to find their way open. I just, Jim Schwartz drives me nuts. I like him as a defensive coordinator, but my God, can we blitz more than 20% of the snaps? I'm sorry. Let's just mix it up. Um, what else did I say? The other thing is, I, I, I thought in here, and I'm going to be the first in a minute on the Brother Love podcast here, I thought Wendell Smallwood had a hell of a game. He really impressed me. This is the guy that I was like, you know what, Tom, he's done. Like you see Josh Adams make the team, but Wendell Smallwood played extremely well. He ran really tough. He just stuck his foot in the ground. He played well. That catch he made down the seam, I think it was like the longest pass play of the day for Carson Wentz. Uh, he played extremely well. So there were a lot of good things to take out. It'll be interesting to see, because, like, if you look at last year's season and this season, like game four, like the Eagles go into the Chargers and they beat the Chargers. It'll be interesting to see, you know, Tennessee's not a bad football team. They're 2-1. Now, they don't know who they're starting, Blake Gabbert, Marcus Mariota. But, you know, if our defense should be able to feast on somebody, this should be the week upcoming and I expect Darren Sproles and Jay Giant come back from injury. That'll give a little injection to the offense. Carson will have a little more weapons at his disposal. And I think, you know, the Philadelphia Eagle fans, there is no question about these trips have been sold out for, for months now. We're going to invade Tennessee, and I think the Eagles are going to go down to Tennessee and smack them. Yeah, I think they wax them too. Um, yeah, I got to give Tennessee's defense some credit. They've only given And Alshon Jeffrey, too. Alshon Jeffrey. What do you think about Alshon? Yeah, Alshon's playing? I think this week he gets Really? I think this, I think this is it. Bold I prediction on the Brotherly way. Love podcast. I like That's it, John right. Mita. That's right. To me, That's I, right. To me I, know, I know the Vikings is a tough matchup, but they never consider matchups when bringing a guy back. I, I just don't see why you don't wait one more week. You give him an extra week, and he's, he's good to go at home against the Vikings. That's just my take. But you, know, you have to give Tennessee some credit just looking at the numbers. Again, 2-1. and one. They've played just a one home game. They won it. Uh, they've they're giving up about 16, 17 points a game. So they've been pretty stingy defensively, and they just won a slobber knocker of a 9-6 battle against Jacksonville uh, on Sunday. All right, so Wentz looked great in spurts. I think obviously everybody knows he'll knock off some rust. He's only going to get better should he stay healthy. I just love turnovers. Yeah, the turnovers, but that's not that's – not that's very uncharacteristic of the Carson Wentz we saw very last year. Last so the year, defense failed him the hell out. Yeah, I mean, they certainly out. did, and, and we. But we expect that from the Eagles' defense with their with no their doubt. talent and their experience. Um, we should get that every week. I feel like as, as Eagles so fans the watching them play. The yeah, so let Got let it. me let me lob this at you here. The second sure. half, okay, they come out first series, they throw the pick, and I was just, can we run the goddamn football? They start running the ball. Now, granted, it was your boy Smallwood carrying the mail, but they got it done. Come out in Tennessee, and, okay, you want to get Wentz in a rhythm? Outstanding. But then run the football. The offensive line, arguably the best in the league. You pay him 
to smash people in the mouth. I say it all the time here on the one and only Brotherly Love podcast. Run the goddamn football. So I'd like to see that Sunday. Take the 10,000 Titans fans out of the game and make it basically a home game down in Nashville for the Eagles. Run the ball, control the clock. By the way, want to switch gears here, all right? Speaking of running the football, is it any surprise to anybody that watches the National Football League or has over the last decade how you beat the New England Patriots? Unless you hang 41 on them, a la the Eagles in February, you better control the clock. Look at the Lions the other night. They dominated time possession. Brady's on the sidelines. He's frustrated. He has no weapons, and he never has the damn football. He sat and watched Sunday night's game, and the Lions beat the Patriots. Run the ball, control the clock on New England. That's the beating Brady recipe. It has been for years. Keep him on the sideline, or you got to hang 40-plus. All right? That's my aside. All right? That's all I got for you there. That's a great aside. Yeah, Bill Belichick on this post in my fantasy, but I'm yeah, I hate I hate Bill Belichick. May may I for a minute? I hate Bill Belichick. All right. Did you see post game? Matt Patricia was with him on the sidelines in New England for how many years? How many Super Bowls and AFC titles did he bring him? They go out to midfield at the end of the game. He acted like he'd never met met Matt Patricia in his life before. Now maybe he texts him later. Maybe he called him earlier in the week. But you know the cameras are on Bill Belichick. So for once in your life, can you not act like a complete mutant? Can you act like you actually have feelings about somebody and maybe just say, good job, Matt, other than like the quick bro hug and then you sprint to the locker room because you're pissed off your team stinks through three weeks? Maybe he has to go to the bathroom. That's kind of what it looked like. What's that, buddy? Maybe he has to go to the bathroom. That's kind of what it looked like. Yeah, actually, you're right. Maybe he did have to hit the John. Well, at least tell him, like, yo, Matt, got to hit the head. Like, he barely said a word to him. I know, it's like Brandy. They're all sore losers, Joe. Yeah, and then they, they show, then they show him walking past. He, he ran past a bunch of kids that were trying to give him a high five pregame. You're that focused? You didn't see the two, like, eight and ten-year-olds sitting to your right? Like, give me a break, dude. That guy is a loser, all right? He's a yeah. loser of a personality. And, and if yeah. this stuff is true in this guy's book, Ian, whatever the hell his name is, that wrote this book, that Brady, that they really have this rift, and that Belichick really believes that his system and his coaching and their Patriot way could make every quarterback in the league essentially a Super Bowl champion or damn near close. Then Bill Belichick needs to put the crack pipe down, all right, hand it back to Gritty, and just be done, because you've got to be kidding me. Like, give some credit to Tom Brady occasionally. Yeah, that won't happen. He doesn't want to give anybody crap. I know. It's and embarrassing. Does, and when he does, it always comes off so insincere. You're like, eh, leave and give a kick. You right. really care about it. So, so the, bur- right. the birds bury the Titans because it's the Brotherly Love podcast, and how dare we pick against yeah. the Eagles ever. Um, real quick for you. All right. You want to yeah. take a new bet? We had a bet uh, recently that I'm sure you're going to bring up here at some point. You want to take it? I got a new bet for you. I got a new bet for you. All right. Jordan Matthews, more catches than Nelson Aguilar by the end of the season. All right? You willing to take that bet? I got J-Matt. Oh, I got Nelly all the way. All right. Jordan Matthews, two catches, 21 yards, one game. Nelson Aguilar, three games, four catches. Oh, no, excuse me. 20 catches, 145 yards. So I'm down 20 to to two right now. I'm talking for the season. Talking for the season. All right. All right, you want that bet? Bring it. Yeah. I'm back on the hate. Nell- I'm back on the hate Nelly train. 
He was invisible. Invisible on Sunday outside of two plays, basically. Well, I thought we were going to talk about the other bet. About yeah, we will. We will, but I want a new bet. Now that the whole bet's over, right. I want a new bet. I got Jay Matt, right. more catches than Aguilar by the end of the season. Right now, I'm no, down 20-2, okay, to two, all right? Now, did you put duct tape on your jersey and then make the bureau, or what you do? I, I, <laughs> I got, I got to figure that out for the kids. The J Matt jerseys were out go. on Sunday. I got to figure out how to yeah. make that eighty-one and eighty. Or Kamar Aiken, aka Clay Aiken, it's got to get hit by a truck, yeah. and J Matt can have right. his uh, eighty-one back. There we go. All right, there we go. Let's get into it. Uh, we had a few other things. We had a little Sixers talk. We have our dear God segment. But why don't we yeah. just get the? Why don't we just let the cat out of the bag? The elephant here in the room. Go ahead. You have your 38 seconds on El Tigre. Well, I mean, it was just let, – let me preface this by saying I don't think Tiger Woods is a good person. And I don't think he's a great guy by any stretch of means. But you have to respect the way this guy came back. And just the way this guy plays ball. I mean, everybody's tuned I mean, I've never seen a gallery follow somebody. I mean, it was it was unreal. It, it felt like it was like the movie Three Hundred, where they're about to go face their demise, <laughs> and everybody's running behind the fearless leader. You know what I mean? Everybody's cheering like, oh, like I mean, it was didn't even look like a golf tournament. It was incredible. Um, listen, the guy battled through a lot of injuries, battled through a lot of personal tribulations, all of his own doing. Um, but it was just good to see him. Here's the, here's the crazy part, right? Going into the season, guys ranked like 658th in the world. And he literally, if Justin Rose finished outside the top five, he would have won the whole FedEx champion. He would have cashed in for $10 million. But because Rose finished in the top three, that's what made him cash in. So it was nice to see him win the golf tournament. He's come up, you know, he was in the mix several tournaments, couple majors this year. And it was just good to see him finish the deal. And, uh, you know, as a golf fan that I am, it's it's exciting to see, and and everybody will be gunning for him again. And it's I don't know, it brings a little life to the sport. But here's the deal: people aren't going to understand it or like it unless you play golf. Like you're not, nobody's going to sit around and watch a golf tournament unless you're in the golf. It's rude. but if Tiger Woods is playing golf, that might change. But it was good to see him won the tournament. He saved the best for last, and we'll see how they go at the Ryder Cup. It'll be interesting to see if they can bring uh, if they can win on your soil, but I don't know if that's gonna happen. Was that uh, his first win since 2010? Yeah, I think okay. so. And what do I owe you? A 12 pack of Stella? Because I told you you'd never win again. Yeah, that's kind of what you. Owe. It was probably a case, but I'm gonna slim it down to a 12 pack. I have, <laughs> I have. No, you, we can put the other 12 pack on Nelly uh, and Matt. You got it. You got it. You heard it here first, right. peeps, on the BL podcast. All right. all right, couple bets here. Any wagers? Let hit hit us up. Oh, Hit me up on Twitter. I'll take all the wagers. The listen, wagers. listen. I got three words. Right now. Go I got three words Go for ahead. you on Tiger Woods. Okay. Sure. Steroids. Test them. <laughs> all right, Sixers. All right, what do you Go got? Ahead. You want to talk Elton Brand? What do you got? I mean, I mean, we can talk Elton Brand. It's just amazing that the Sixers wait three, four and a half months to go through this this search. We're searching for stars. We're store developing. <laughs> we're searching for general managers. I'm not listening. Like, if this guy was in the house, I don't mind taking him to the house, Kennedy. So the only question I would ask is, why the hell did it take so long? The guy's been in the, you're building every day. So if he really stood out from everyone else, 
Do you think this decision would have happened a little sooner? I think it's a good decision. I think the players have a lot of respect for him. He is an out of brand Duke guy, intelligent guy. Essentially, oh, I ran into another uh, Eagle or uh, Sixers general manager, Billy King, at Starbucks the other day. Tried to grab his attention. But anyway, so without a brand, like, I think the players, I, I think it's going to be a good, a good relationship. Like, the players respect it. But the problem is, this was such an important offseason not to have somebody in place. That's a little. That's a little worrisome for me. And the question is, next year, you know, what's going to happen? The thing that bothers me most about everything is that how come when all these guys request for damn trades or even free agents, Philadelphia is never the desirable target on anyone's list. And I just, I can't understand that. Somebody's got to help me with that. You so think, all you do you think, let there, me ask you this. Do you think it's because they have, quote-unquote, star power? Do you think it's because some of the other big names don't want to go to a team where they're not the guy. I mean, Jimmy Butler's issue, is it yeah. you know, is it because he wants more of being the man? And, well, if you come to Philly, JoJo's yeah. top dog, Ben Simmons, is 1A, and, and it's probably right. just more JoJo because of his personality and his social media prowess. Right. So, you know, well, are, are it, you think guys well, are scared be, off when coming and being the third fiddle? I think that is definitely certainly a play here, but Gonna, if you can compete and you can get paid here. The thing is, there's a lot of money on the table here if you come and play here. Like, we can max somebody out easily. And but, I mean, Jimmy Butler, I mean, he's just, you know, got to stop banging everyone's girlfriend. I think that's the problem. Yeah, well. That, that, that he's dealing with. But anyway, but I mean, I would love to see a guy like Jimmy Butler. I'm just shocked. It's like, you know, the, the Brooklyn Nets were one of the teams on his top list. I mean, I don't know if that was just, you know, just a total ridiculous claim, but I, I don't know. But I just, like, I would think this would be a great place to play. You have a young team, budding stars, great fan base, and it's like, I feel like we're on Leprosy Island with the Philadelphia Sixers. Nobody wants to come here. I, I just, it, it boggles my mind. Do any listeners out there that have any idea that could explain why people don't want, want to play in Philadelphia? I would love to hear the answer to that question. Did you see Media Day the other day and, and hear Ben Simmons' quote about how he's never been on a team where he's had to shoot the ball? What the hell was that? Did you uh, hear that? Uh, please, no, I don't want to hear anything. I mean, they were asking him about, and he was basically like, yeah, I need to improve my game all over, blah, 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 and basically <laughs> alluding the fact he needs to improve his shot, but he's never had to practice his shot before because he's never been on a team. He basically said, it's easy for me to get, it's been easy for me to get to the rack my whole life. So you, yeah, you never spent time in the gym? He yeah, never I mean, had a coach. Never had a coach in the summer. It said, "Let's let's take five hundred jump shots." Yeah, I mean it's mind-boggling, and he's so damn good. The question is that he realizes that if he can bring that particular skill set to his game, he could go down as one of the all-time all-timers. But I don't know. Sometimes the comments he makes a little out of lunch. Shows his shows his youth. To be honest, how young he is. Um, got that right. All right, Johnny made it. Dear God. You want to go? You uh, want me to take? No, uh, no. You, you were, you were all about your yeah. gun, your segment, then I'll go with your gun. So you, you mentioned him earlier. All right, you okay. didn't know I was going to go this route, but you mentioned him earlier. Uh, so, dear God, Philadelphia Phillies, please stay away from Bryce Harper. Please don't do this to me. Please don't bring this pompous, arrogant individual to the Phillies organization. I, I can't deal with it. 
I can't deal with the me. I can't deal with the Hollywood. And I certainly don't want to have to root for a guy that I've hated for so long. Seven years in the bigs, the numbers don't lie. However, however, Bryce Harper is hitting 245 this year. Two years ago, he hit 243. Last year, he hit 319. He didn't play a whole lot of baseball, 420 at bats, only 111 games. He's never had more than 150 hits in a season. I know he hits for power. I know he's kind of a, a four or five tool guy. I just don't like anything about him. I don't know if it's back to the clown comment, the Cole Hamels incident years ago, or just that he's been on a division rival for so long. But dear God, Philadelphia Phillies, he's not the answer. Wait until 2021. It's two more seasons, and our savior, Michael Trout, is a free agent. Okay? He's only under contract through 2020 from what I've found. That is two more full seasons. You can bring him home. Dear God, Philadelphia Phillies, please do not open the vault for Bryce Harper. I just don't know how I'm going to get over my hatred for him and start rooting for the guy. Floor is yours, Johnny Mina. Wow, that's totally impressive. Here's my dear God. Dear God, I'd like to have a sit-down with you. And the NFL Rules Competition Committee, (laughs) all right? Can we stop with all these ridiculous roughing the passer calls, okay? You are taking football out of football. It is ridiculous. Somebody explain to me or to the 300 defense alignment in the game how to tackle the quarterback, okay? Poor Clay Matthews gets hit with two one, one penalty, essentially cost them the game against the Vikings. They ended up in a stinking tie. So your roughing pantser rule led to a stinking tie, okay? Can we just stop? And I hear all these idiots, specifically Colin Cowherd. Well, people, all you people that want to talk about roughing the pantser, they got to protect the quarterback. You might as well throw red pennies on. Are we playing football or are we playing flag football? When the quarterbacks of the league are coming out and saying that the rule is a little disgraceful, NFL, you have a problem here, okay? And it's not fair to put that on the defense. You know, guys make great form tackles. They don't leave with the crown of their helmet. They don't drop their head. They don't launch themselves. You know, apparently it's how much body weight, okay, that you put on the quarterback, and that's going to determine – if you're going to get a roughing the passer call, what's next? What's next? Are they, is the quarterback's going to have like some pressure system, some clock that tells them how much weight was pressed upon them when they got thrown to the turf? I mean, this is just outrageous. You have to fix it, and you have to fix it now. Listen, I'm all for safety in the game. I get it. I get it. Let's protect our players. Let's protect their futures. But let's also play football, people. Okay, what are we going to do? Carry him to the ground? Ask the quarterback if he's okay? <laughs> you have to get him to the ground. And my question is, just look at the math or the science behind it. When you drive into somebody, how do you not fall and put all your body weight? Did you see the one guy, William Hayes? William Hayes, defensive tackle for defensive end for the Miami Dolphins. He was so worried that he was going to get a roughing the passer call he did some roll-away move, and he blew his ACL out. Now, what's, what's the next thing? Well, how else do you do it? Von Miller comes on the scene and says that I'm just going to swipe and just start smacking for the football. Then there's going to be broken arms and broken limbs and fingers and 
I don't know. You got to get your stuff together, though, NFL. Seriously, this is so ridiculous. Some of these roughing the passer calls, I mean, what are the defenders supposed to do? I mean, constantly you put all these rules in favor of the offense just to speed up the game, make it a little more interesting, get some more scoring, but it's just not fair right now. These penalties and some of these calls aren't fair. Like, I was looking at the lowering the helmet. That was a big issue in the preseason. It hasn't even been an issue the entire year. But these roughing the passer calls are getting called ridiculous. A quarterback gets sneezed on roughing the passer. It's just it's, it's ridiculous. Hey, imagine. It makes me wait, angry. Wait till – I can't tell you're angry at all. Wait till it affects the birds because it has not yet. Oh, yeah. Wait till, wait till Blaine it's Gabbert gets, you know, the, the Titans get 15 yeah. yards in the fourth quarter with the Eagles, you know, trying to protect the lead or, or come from behind. I mean, people are going to lose their marbles. The one Kirk Cousins, like, when he threw the football, I think he was on one foot. So it's not like Clay Matthews picked him up and, you know, and suplexed him. I get those calls. You know, quarterback leaves the ball, you pick him up, you suplex him like you're in the WWE. I get all that. You drive him in on his shoulder. I get all that. When you look at some of these tackles, they're form tackles. The, the, the player's helmet's on the side. It's not driving through their sternum. It's just it, it's absurd. The whole thing is absurd and fix it. Because you know what? I, I, I don't, I'm not paying to watch flag football, all right? There's, there's more contact in flag football in the quarterbacks right now. Hey, and, and, and Troy Vincent, longtime great eagle, he's in a suit now. This is all his baby, really, him and Goodell. He's Goodell's essentially yeah. right-hand man. You know, on the on the player yeah. side, and he's a defensive player from his days, obviously. And, yeah. Well, you know, and, you know, and, and he's obviously wearing a suit right now, and and has well, obviously no say in the in the yeah in the scheme. And a lot of things. it stems from like all the concussion, the concussion problems, and the CP. I get it, but like, how, how do you tell a guy to tackle and he can't land on top of somebody? You can't just hit. And then, and the other thing is, okay, you're going to be so shy. All these defenders are going to pull up, right? Because they're scared as hell they're going to get that 15-yard personal foul. They're going to pull up, and then there's, there's going to be missed tackles, and it's going to cause somebody to the game the other way. Anyway. All right. All Good stuff, brother. I liked it. Thought we hit it all, Thanks, man. Bro. We hit it all. We did it. We all did right. it. Thanks for the lesson. Go Birds down in Tennessee. Go Birds. Looking for 3-1 and one for John Mita, Joe O'Donnell. Appreciate all the love and support. Tell your neighbors. Tell your friends. It's the Brotherly Love Podcast. Till next time, we'll see you. Thanks for listening to the Brotherly Love Podcast on SoundCloud.com.